It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators for more. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter or social media, whatever we're calling it these days. At GatorDave underscore SEC. At Gators Breakdown right here on this Monday night. Co-host Will Miles from Read and Reaction. You can find him out there at Will Miles SEC. Oh, Will, daggummit. We really have to do this. <laughs> it's been, has not been a, a great last couple of days since Saturday's debacle of a game up in Lexington. The Gators fall 33-14 to Kentucky. Third, third straight win for the Wildcats. Uh, of course, you and I have discussed and talked a lot, a lot the last couple of days, first time we get together uh, in this format. But, uh, man, it, it, I, I, posted, I posted a gift the other day on social media of, it was a you know an X Men, but it was Wolverine punching Cyclops in the gut, and that's, that's exactly what it felt like to me. I was like, no, it, "We'll get into this too." We were on opposite ends of the spectrum. You called this one, so congrats on that one. I mean, not really congrats, but uh, I, I know you don't want Florida to lose. But you know, you 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 were right. I was wrong. Dummy Dave was back in the, in this one. I cannot get a read on this Florida team right now. But uh, man, that was that was that was so unfortunate. Unfortunate there uh, to to uh, have. The big win a couple of weeks ago, only for a couple of weeks later, too. It really, really punches you in the gut. Yeah, I mean, that was a rough one. I think, you know, the the reality is, is that I think we all expected that there were going to be some ups and downs this year. What we expected, though, was to see improvement in the operational areas. And we're not seeing that, right? We, we've seen both times Florida's gone on the road this year, they there has been a... Uh, uh, a substantial gap between what we expect from Florida when they go out and, and play on the field and what we've seen. Um, you had some players afterwards saying that they felt like they came out flat, which also speaks sort of negatively to the general, I guess, culture of, of the program, what they're trying to build, those sorts of things. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you go out and you lose by a field goal and it's close, or if you go out and you like show some urgency in the fourth quarter and put the ball in the end zone and get down by eight and you know maybe get an onside kick, like like we kind of felt coming out of that Tennessee game last yeah. year, right? That Tennessee game last year, Anthony Richardson showed some things. The team really came back. Napier went for it on fourth down a bunch. Florida still loses, but you walked out of that game feeling like, hey, like there's a lot of positives to take from this. I'm not sure there's one positive <laughs> to take from this beatdown by Kentucky. If you, you are, your- if you if you are, you're nitpicking and stretching. Are there some like single player? Maybe, but well, we didn't miss a field goal, right? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's a positive, I suppose. We could <laughs> we can pick those sorts of things, but I mean, I, it's just complete system failure, right? And and yeah. um, the fact that execution and operational excellence is the Billy Napier value proposition. Again, I said this after the Utah game. I'm going to say it again tonight is that is your value prop and that value prop apparently does not travel. And so that's a problem. It needs to start traveling because if Florida loses all the games on the road like this, it's going to be a rough one. Again, Georgia's neutral, LSU's on the road, and then you got Florida State at home. It's going to be tough to sort of. I mean, of- you got South Carolina in two weeks. That, mm-hmm. Why should we pick Florida in two weeks? Tell me why. Well, I th- because of Spencer Rattler. Uh, so, you know, that, and that is the it's, thing, it's, right? It's, it's, but it's a road game. Uh, I, 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 Spencer every- Rattler, road game. So everyone has warts. This Florida team has warts. I think that there there is lots of reason to be concerned, but I also think that we should have expected there were going to be ups and downs. Like you said, I picked Kentucky to win by two touchdowns because I saw – Florida's offense, like you can see in the underlying statistics that Florida's offense is not explosive enough to compete with anybody who has any sort of explosion whatsoever. And what they did was if it was hidden 
in some of the some of the defenses that they had played, and it was hidden quite honestly in the unbelievable first half they had against Tennessee on third down. And you know, even when you look at the best teams in the country, they convert third downs at what maybe 50 percent of the time. And so you're going to punt. You're going to have failures. You're not necessarily going to always be able to be able to come back. And this team just, I mean, when it was 10, nothing game is over. And that is a direct line to the offense, to the quarterback, to the offensive coordinator and to the head coach. And I'm sure that's a lot of stuff we'll talk about tonight. Yeah, Billy Napier did speak to the media today. We'll, we'll kind of use that as our outline for this episode and also, of course, look back a little bit at Kentucky, uh, even though as ugly as it was, we don't want to, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, you know, We'll turn the page to Vanderbilt later on this week. We'll, on his site, read reaction. I will as well here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, but you know, we, we know what's carrying the conversation <laughs> right, right now. We won't shy or hide away from it, especially with Billy Napier talking about it today uh, as well. There wasn't much talk about Vanderbilt at the press conference today either. So uh, we, don't, we don't have to turn the page forward if we don't want to. So a lot easier last week when you're coming off of Charlotte and Kentucky coming up. But uh, with the Stinger versus that loss, uh, yeah, we can, uh, can kind of hang on to it, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of just following on what Billy Napier said today so all right before we get to that point everybody hit that like button subscribe to gators breakdown if you haven't done so yet but smash that like button right here on youtube everybody thanks for hopping in live right now leave a comment your support out there really helps gators breakdown grow of course gatorsbreakdown.com you can find the latest scheming with seth there he takes a look at uh, you know maybe some adjustments uh that can be made and it should be made there for for this gators offense uh, and then, of course, you know, what hurt the Gators uh, against Kentucky a little bit. Make sure you check out Seth's uh, YouTube channel as well. Um, right here on YouTube, Varnador Films. Uh, they're pretty good in-depth Kentucky. Uh, look back there as far as what the film shows. And, of course, Gators Breakdown Plus, Discord. I'm telling you, it's been on fire <laughs> the last few days. Uh, some discussion there. Uh, I mean, look, a lot of you heard of the uh, chat too uh, after the Kentucky game. That's what we did right here on, on the uh, uh, the post game of Kentucky. So, got to see how we do the chat there week in and week out. But you get ad free episodes there, access to the Discord, extra episodes, the newsletter uh, from GatorsBreakdown.com, and kind of giving you a summary of what's going on there. So, Gators Breakdown Plus link is in the description to join there. So. All right, well, let's get it started. I will get to the first question that was asked to Billy Napier here, and then we will expand on it a little bit more as well. Uh, the question was, you expressed a level of frustration over the loss the other day, just overall where the program is 18 games in at 500 and the nature of some of the other losses. Where is the level of frustration? There's a lot of outside questions. What's the path forward in your mind? So Billy Napier answers this and more about the direction of the program. Look, reality is when you lose, okay, there's always going to be issues that come with that, right? You lose as a result of uh, not playing winning football, right? So, but you also, when you do win, right, you get a lot of pat on the backs and you, you win as a result of playing winning football, right? So, um, you know, I think for me, Let's not make this any more complicated than it is, right? I mean, we lost the football game because they rushed for 9.2 a carry. We rushed for 3.41 a carry. Uh, we turned the ball over four times, if you count the turnover on downs and the penalty in special teams. They turned it over zero. Um, we lost the explosive battle. We lost the hidden yardage battle. And we lost the penalty battle. Okay, so... Um, you know, we know what winning football looks like, and certainly Saturday was not that, wasn't it, right? So there's no sugarcoating this. There's no excuse. Um, you know, all we can do is evaluate it for what it is and do better the next time. So I'm not up here to uh, make any excuses or talk about it. I mean, it, there's nobody that wants to have more success than this group of players. And ultimately, you know, I feel responsibility to do a better job for them. It's that simple. I'm on the inside, right? I have relationships with the staff, with the players. We're getting better at our process. Um, you know, I think that we have young players that are getting experience, that are growing and developing. I think we have veteran players that have improved as people and as leaders. Um, and I think that 
we played good football at times. You know, some of these questions you're asking, you weren't asking a couple weeks ago. So ultimately, it, the, it is what it is, right? We have to deal with the result. Um, so when we lose, we got to come in here every week and answer questions from the outside, right? So um, nothing's changed here. You know, when we play well, we do what we're supposed to do. We coach well. Uh, we're capable of winning games, you know. There's an old Brad Stevens quote, you know, you're you're really close to being a very average team and you're really close to being a really good team. And I feel that way about our football team. I think if if we're ready, we're capable, uh, and we're executing, we're playing with good f communication, good fundamentals and techniques, we have urgency, uh, we have hunger about us. We play with discipline. We can be in a very effective team. If we don't have those things, we can be, be a very below average team as well. I've got a ton of confidence in what we do and how we do it. You know, we didn't play well Saturday, but that doesn't change my belief in what we do and how we do it. Now, reality is you got to always be a, have the ability to adapt, you know, and, and we've adapted in the past, you know, I think everything's always, you know, you're always evaluate, evaluating um, and trying to put your team, each team's a little bit different, right? There's strengths and weaknesses of each team, right? So I think that's part of coaching um, is evolving based off the personnel you have, the strengths and weaknesses, what skill players do you have that year, you know, what type of quarterback do you have? Uh, so I think we've done that in the past. We'll continue to do that. All right, well, there we go. A little bit of summary from what Billy Napier had to say today about the direction of the program. And look, I don't think the team is as bad as it showed uh, Saturday, as ugly as it was. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not a big fan of the, you weren't saying that two weeks ago. I mean, well, you're as good as your last game, uh, honestly. And uh, you've got a, you've got chances to make up for it. Uh, but uh, I'm not, of course, we weren't saying it two weeks ago. You, you, you won a game. You, you won a home game. What, but what was the immediate message in the locker room? What was the immediate message to uh, you know uh, us talking to to, to the media and, and the fan base out there? Is well, let's keep the momentum. This, this this team last year did the same thing: have a big win and then go fall flat on their face. Well, this is where we're at. The 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 game versus Charlotte the week after Tennessee was not pretty. It was a precursor to what we saw this past Saturday, and we all talked about building for momentum, and we were beat over the head with it over and over again after the big win over the ten, uh, over Tennessee. But look, and two weeks later, it's gone already. No, no momentum going going in for this team right now. And look, that's hand in hand and going to one point you made earlier is getting off to the better starts in games, especially on the road. And Napier even admitted the team came out lethargic. In the press conference today, he was asked, you played with such emotion and fire when you came out against Tennessee. Did you see the same thing there in Kentucky, or is it something that just fizzled and wasn't there? His response, I felt like we were lethargic early in the game. I do. So to answer your question, no, I don't think we had quite the same edge we had when we played at Tennessee. Now, I think the reality is when you go play on the road in this league, starting fast is important every week. But when you're on the road, it's really important. All of a sudden, you take a few punches. You contribute by making your own stuff and flicking mistakes. Then you look up here and play three, maybe four possessions in the game, and you're down three scores. There are crowds into it. Ultimately, all those things contributed to the result we got Saturday. So it's part of the things that we're trying to improve at. First of all, Kentucky was better. Will, we know that. Lethargic or not, I'm not sure if Florida's winning that game anyway <laughs> because of uh, the trench warfare that was going on in that game. And look, certainly didn't give themselves a chance with that start. And that's worrisome that we see the issue of not being ready to play creep up again on the road again. We know it's hard to play on the road. We see it week in and week out when teams come play in the swamp. Uh, but, you know, it's the same issues over and over again. Some of it's just looking in the mirror. And I think that part is it's hard to see and even harder to the, to admit that this is a consistent issue. Yeah, I mean, so his comment about them being close to being an average team, close to being a great team, I think maybe misses a little bit. I think they're close to being an average team and close to being a below average team. I'm not sure that great is in there right now, and I think some of that is is talent. Some of that is probably scheme as well. He keeps talking about execution, and I, I, 
you know, obviously I don't get to ask questions, but the question I would ask is what do you mean by execution? Because if what you mean is third downs, then we got some stuff to talk about because in three halves this year, the first half against Tennessee and then the two halves against McNeese state, they're 12 of 14 on third downs. Every other half, you add them all together, six for 41, 15% conversion rate. And they're running for two and a half yards per rush in those halves. And so, you know, and they're running for 6.3 yards per rush in that first half against Tennessee and the two halves against, against McNeese State. The other thing is there were people who were pointing out that there were still issues even after that Tennessee win, particularly in the second half. He was, at, he was answering questions about sort of being too conservative. Now the question is, was he being conservative or was it just that was, that was the offense? And then... I, well, I just, it I, uh, going to that point, it doesn't really matter because what we've seen the last 10 quarters, I mean, you can say you were conservative all you want to, but are we, or should we believe it? Well, I mean, I think conservative is sort of the, the name of the game when you look at like past distributions and, and yeah. third down and third down, and, you know, nine runs that they're yeah. trying to get in position for fourth down. I, those I, sorts I, of things. Real, I think they were being conservative. I'm not saying that, but to play devil's advocate, given what we've seen since Charlotte uh, and in Kentucky, maybe the issues were there. Uh, the problem is, is that we, we tend to think in binaries, right? We think in yeah. terms of, hey, here's a win, so everything is rosy, and hey, here's a loss, and every, and the sky is falling. The problem is, is that the sky was really falling after that Utah game, like nothing went right, right? Then the Tennessee game in that first half, everything turns around, but one of the things that they were relying on in that first half was the turnover that they were able to force from, from Joe Milton that turned into a short touchdown, and then just an unbelievable and unsustainable success on third down. They went seven of eight in the first in the first half on third down and they put up all their points. In the second half, they cooled off. They only went one of or no, they went 0 of six in the second half on third down. They didn't run the ball near as well in that second half and they only put up three points. And that's really the story of this team is that what he means by execution, I think, is getting things in position, not having false starts, putting yourself in third and three and then being able to convert that third and three. The problem is, is that that's not actually how you score points in, in college football the way you score points in college football is you make a bunch of big plays and the third downs are just a way to give yourself another set of opportunities to hit a big play and they aren't taking shots to try to hit big plays and when they do they're unable to hit them and so that is the problem the problem isn't that they aren't converting third downs at a, cl- at a high clip the problem is is that they're ending up having to punt and they're ending up having to force the ball in like the interception that Merch threw in this game I don't necessarily put on him. I think the guy was open. I think Boardingham should have caught the ball. But the fact that he gets drilled by three guys the minute he catches it is indicative of how defenses are playing them. Defenses are are so not scared. Well, not only are they not scared of them going deep, but 60% of his throws are going to the right-hand side of the formation. So what you're what you're essentially telling your defense I mean, if, if I'm a, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going Ricky Pearsall and mm-hmm. then short and right. And that's it, right? So there was even a play. It was the one where uh, where the the color commentator pointed out that he had Khalil Jackson coming open on that fourth down. It was the miracle play to ETN, right? That he has him yeah. coming across and he's wide open. And he looks left first. Yeah. But what he's looking at is he's looking at Pearsall. They wound up that, double teaming the Pearsall. He's, he's in the inside slant. No, so Khalil Jackson <laughs> runs the crosser, but Pearsall's okay. up up at the top of the formation yeah, yeah, yeah. on the outside, and he's running a, some sort of go. I don't know what exactly he was running because you can't see it because of the because of the film. But um, but basically, Kentucky double teams Pearsall and leaves Khalil Jackson wide open, yeah. and Mertz is staring right at him, and he comes back to his right hand side. I don't know why. Yeah, right? cause, I mean, cause, okay, I know. He's he's the slot inside of Pearsall. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So again, but this is my point, right? Is it's yeah. Pearsall or right? Like, and so it's incredibly predictable, not just from the standpoint. Of, so I've heard a lot of commentary about offensive coordinator and how he doesn't have an offensive coordinator and he's the CEO and does he have time to be an offensive coordinator and all those sorts of things. And some of that may be true and some of that may, may be legitimate, but I can't tell. Guy came open wide, wide open across the middle. <laughs> like that ain't Napier's fault. Like at some point that has to be a conversion and it shouldn't be a little dump off to ETN as you're getting sacked <laughs> that turns into a miracle first down. It needs to be three yard throw and we move the chains and we keep moving. And those sorts of things are getting missed. And look, it's not just on Mertz. It's absolutely not just on Mertz, but Mertz averaged nine yards per completion in this game. 
So even though he has this really high completion percentage, nothing is downfield. And the minute you start pushing it downfield, that completion percentage goes down. And so that's one of the things when I'm when okay you talk, with that, though. You're I think, okay I think, with I think the risks need to be there. Now, offensive line may stunt that where there's not a lot of trust to go deep. You don't and that could be from him. That could be from Napier. Like I don't know if if I call this deep pass, is he going to get beat up again? Is he going to get rattled because you know this offensive line can't protect long enough so i think it's a slippery slope i think it's a thin line i think uh you know for each play there might be a different reason i know he spoke on that today too for everybody do all 11 players doing their job on the same play is what's going to make this work but that's kind of the conundrum we're in right now i mean what we can sit here and say is hey look this may not be a good offense (laughs) i mean they may that might just be what they are no matter what they want to try well, I mean, I think that's true. I think the other thing is, is people are going to look and actually Mertz's stats in this one, not terrible, right? right? I mean, Mertz is, is 25 of 30. So completed 83% of his passes, 9.8 yards, last 15 and 9.8 yards per completion. And so that's actually pretty good or 8.1 yards per attempt. That's actually pretty good, slightly above average. But the problem is, is you've got eight rush attempts for minus two yards. So a lot of that is sacks. And I will say, looking at the film, that is not all on the offensive line. There were times where he needs to know to get the ball out. Like there's a blitz coming from the right-hand side from two guys. It's apparent that at least one of those guys is coming. And when both of them come, there's a wide open Ricky Pearsall coming 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 open right across the middle and he's looking left now again what's he being coached versus what is he actually doing and all those different things are open questions but the reality is when a blitz comes to the right hand side and the quarterback is almost always responsible for his blind side knowing whether someone's coming from there because the offensive line can't pick him up the the offensive line is taught to take the inside guy and so if you're taking the inside guy that leaves the guy on the outside open but it also means you've got a receiver coming open and so what is the check what's the hot read do you need to adjust your protection and tell your offensive lineman to go out that direction all those different things are things that we can't know because we're not on the inside but what we can know is that everyone else who has a functional offense seems to be able to get these sorts of things and and isn't isn't limited to making throws five yards from the line of scrimmage because they have offensive line problems. Look, Florida doesn't have the worst offensive line in college football, irrespective of whether the offensive line is struggling. And there were certainly times where, where Kentucky's defensive line just completely plowed over some guys, but roll a guy out, right? Without having to run an intricate three, three option play action, roll a guy out on a boot, give him the opportunity to sort of have a clear space where the offensive line doesn't necessarily have to do everything perfectly. Don't, when you're going to take a deep shot, don't take a deep shot by trying to run a bunch of different play actions with the quarterbacks back to the, back to the, to the defensive line of scrimmage. You can do some things that would give you some opportunities to do a lot of stuff. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago, Seth was talking about end arounds to open up the running game. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw coming out of that Utah game is they had Trey Wilson coming around on the end arounds and they were using that to open it up. They didn't run one of them that I can right. recall in this right. game, which means, I mean, the whole point of running that is to hold the backside so that your running backs have a better opportunity to go up the middle. And, and you could have you know, and you could have done it with Pearsall. I know Wilson's not out there, but Pearsall has done that enough times to where we know it's in the arsenal for this Gator offense. And you're right. It's, it was not there. Well, and it's one of those things where even if it's unsuccessful, and this this I think is the thing that that strikes me is this offensive line not as good as last year's. I think we can say that, but the offensive line shouldn't be terrible. And so, but you do need to help them. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that you help them is by having some misdirection, having some creativity, having even if Pearsall gets tackled for a for a two yard gain on the end around. Now the linebackers get slowed down a little bit. They're not able to come downhill quite as bad. Maybe you even catch a defensive lineman cheating and he and he tries to sort of slant towards Pearsall and all of a sudden he opens up a hole. We certainly saw that on the other side of the ball from Florida (laughs) where they were kind of opening up holes for Kentucky because they were trying to guess, right? And once you gash a couple, all of a sudden now the defense starts guessing, they get out of their gaps and things get even even worse and things sort of snowball downhill. And in fact, we saw that against Tennessee, right? I mean, I think if you go back and you Mm -hmm. look at that Tennessee film, you would probably, they would probably come out of that game saying, 
yeah, we weren't gap sound. We didn't have enough discipline on defense. We should have done a better job tackling. All those different things that we're going to hear Napier say after this one, which also in some ways lends me some comfort too, because just two weeks ago, Tennessee was on the road, played, didn't yep. look like they were ready, came out, made a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, the 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 offsides on the fourth down where they were where everyone knew Florida was just trying to draw them offsides, a bunch of false starts that killed them, like all the kinds of mistakes that Florida's made against Utah and against Kentucky, Tennessee made a couple of weeks ago. So I, I don't want to overreact from the standpoint of this particular game and some of those operational mistakes, but I think it's fair to say now that we've seen it. Well, now we've seen it twice and what's the evidence that's going to get better, but obviously we have the rest of the year to see. And, you know, I, I, even they said it today, this is 2023 about this, but it dates back to last year too, Will. Well, and it's a problem. Like that is the issue. Yes, in 2022, right. we weren't near as critical of about these sorts of errors <laughs> right. because the whole point was in 2023, we won't have to see them. Yep. And and there's a difference between getting beat and getting embarrassed. And I think the fan base in in many ways, you look up and it's 16 nothing, and Mertz is two for six for 19 yards. You haven't completed a first down yet. You've already thrown an interception. And, and the wheels are already coming off. Like I said, the game was over at 10 nothing, and certainly at 16 nothing, irrespective. And, and the 16, the extra six points, come because of a special teams mistake again. And you sit there and go, what's improving? What's getting better? How are we, how are we to have confidence that things are getting better? And I, I think that's a legitimate question. I think, yeah. you know, but it, but it is one of those things. And so somebody, I, I had a discussion today with someone who told, on Twitter today who told me I was being too negative. And the thing that kept going through my head was, if you walked next door and somebody at the lot next door, and you knew him, it was a friend, they're building a house, right? And you look at the foundation and the foundation doesn't look like it's poured right. Maybe you don't even know a lot about foundations, right? But you look at it and it's like, that doesn't look right. I've seen those sorts of things before. Do you sit there and go, well, he'll figure it out. If he, if he doesn't like that the foundation's poured correctly, oh, when that house comes down, uh, then he'll learn his lesson. No, you sit there and you look at it and you go, hey, you probably want to come take a look at this. I'm not sure this is poured right. And in many ways, that's kind of our role in some, when it comes to the program is there are historical markers on how championship programs are built in the SEC and in college football. And we point those sorts of things out. And it's not that it's not that I know perfectly exactly what's wrong with the foundation, but the whole point of this is that it's a tear down and a rebuild. Okay. But I want to make sure that the foundation is built properly. And when you have just repeated special teams problems, when you have repeated operational problems, when you have, um, when you have issues executing on the road, when, when it's a systemic thing in 2022 and 2023, you look at it, you go, is the foundation strong? And if Napier can assure us that the foundation is strong, then I think everybody sort of goes awesome because when the studs come and we start building the frame and you got DJ Lagway and you got all the, all the guys who are coming in that 2024 class, Hey, now it's built on something strong with a strong foundation. The most disturbing part of this entire thing wasn't actually the game. It was Shamar James' comments afterwards that they weren't ready to play. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, really? You're 1-0 in the SEC. You're 3-1. and You go 4-1 and with a win in this one. Tennessee beats South Carolina. It means the only team that can catch you, the only team that can beat you in the East is Georgia and... and Missouri. And, maybe. Well, maybe Missouri, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, we'll I'm just saying, going to where the standings were at that point, yeah. yes. But you know what I mean, right? Is that you've yeah. basically secured yourself a top four spot in the East yep. after a bunch of people picked you dead last. And then... Um, and then you have an opportunity at that point to be six and one heading into that game against Georgia. You well, that's wow. where I go, Will, how I started this episode. You know, it, it was immediate. Napier in him himself in the locker room telling the players last year's team did this and then not able to build on it. Let's build on it. And they weren't able to. They knew what the issues were. He made sure they knew what the issues were. And it, it still cannot keep momentum. Look, don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from Kentucky either. I mean, honestly, that that that's more than half the battle there. They they beat Florida. They whoop Florida. They're better than Florida. We know that now. You knew that before. <laughs> but but uh, it's uh, but that. Well, but it's, but it's, you want them to beat. You want them to beat. You want them to beat. You you, yeah. you don't you don't want to beat yourself. And you know, look, I think Kentucky wins this game irrespective of, of what happens early on. But Kentucky just sort of like scored that opening touchdown to start the second half and was like, all right, shifted into neutral. And, you know, Florida came down and kind of made it interesting. But again, there have been a lot of empty calories in some of these in some of these second halves when Florida's been behind mm -hmm. where you look at it, you go, oh, well, the defense did better. Or the, the offense didn't do too bad there. 
and I'm looking at it going, that's all empty calories. Like what every- happened times last year was almost the same story. Before it would get down two scores and then have to fight back and make a game of it, and it looked closer than it really was. Yeah. So you know what? It's it's a it, the I'm not ready to bury anyone. No. I don't think, and and uh, you you posted something the other day that there can be an in between between fire Napier and everyone's overreacting to one game, um, mm-hmm. and, and there's an in between, right? Where yes. you you can be really concerned about the direction of things, and that's a legitimate position to have, and to say, look, I'd like to have better insight into what you mean when you say execute. I'd like to have better insight as to what you're seeing at the quarterback position, why you're limited in terms of where you're going, why you're not able to run the ball, like what's going on. Now, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I think there are things that you can say that are probably more effective for the fan base than we'll look at the tape, we'll get better, we'll improve. And that, that I think, is the thing. Is and, and this is one other thing, is that Napier has an opportunity here to take – take fire off of his players. And I don't know that this necessarily does it, right? I think if there there's an opportunity here, like if you think about who is it, Gundy, who's like, I'm a man, I'm 40. <laughs> Nobody talked about his team for like three weeks after that, right? <laughs> and so if you if you sent if you want to protect your guys, one way to protect them is to come out and and really forcefully give the people what they want. What the what they wanted at Oklahoma State at that point was a guy who was going to come out with some fire, and the national media took it and ran with it. And it was, you know, I'm not telling him to go out and do a mic. Gundy, but there is there is a benefit. No, we, know, to, we know he's not going to do that. <laughs> but there's a benefit to changing something, yeah. right? And you can't have the same press conference after you get a butt whipping from Kentucky that you did after Tennessee, and to then say, "Well, we didn't have a press conference like this back then." Like, yeah, you won the game. Yeah. <laughs> like we now have yeah, another data point that suggests that right. suggests issues, and so we're asking about it, and you can answer it or not answer it. But if you don't answer it. We're going to start asking the players, or the media is going to start asking the players, and then the players have to deal with it. So you're probably better off just answering it and saying, yeah, we have some things we're going to fix. These are some very specific things we're going to fix, specific things we're looking at. I'm not going to get into it like incredibly incredibly tight, but hey, everybody's job's on the line. We're looking at personnel. We're looking at scheme. We're looking at, at coaching situations. We're evaluating all those things. We do that on a weekly basis. And if a change needs to be made, we will make a change. And if you just say that, everybody's like, all right, cool. And then, you, and then the only thing the players are getting asked about is, what changes have you seen this week? That sort of stuff. And then they're like, no comment. And we, and we move forward. So uh, yep. I don't know. It, it is what it is, man. Like nothing's yeah. going to, ch- like nothing is going to, and nothing should change when it comes to like the, the job situations of any of these people. Um, they deserve a chance to try to show that they can get it done. But I think it's also legitimate for people to say, I'm concerned. Like I'm looking at this going, a, a loss is different than a butt whipping and yeah. a butt whipping is different than a team that doesn't look prepared. And this is the second time that Florida's come out and looked unprepared. And it's the first time that they've admitted they weren't prepared. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, dang. I had, I had a quick thought of what you brought up there. Um, ah, it escaped me. I'll come back to it. It's time for some ad reads anyway. So there we go. NFL, college ball, brand new cash out system gives you options to bet and win all season long at my bookie. First two legs, if your parlay hit, well, cash out early, place another bet, or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at my bookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boosts, same game parlays, and huge prize pool contests. Right now, my bookie has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATORS on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's GATORS to claim your cash bonus now. Promo code GATORS. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. It is formulated to support whole body health, raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple habit, creating a manageable daily habit. Start my day drinking AG1 and Look, pair it with exercise and diet. It just gets you on the right track. And it can tackle these busy days of covering these gators for you all day in and day out. But only with this comprehensive solution. And you can get what you need from this with your supplement routine. 
Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. One more time that when you try AG1, you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators. That's drinkag1.com slash gators to check it out. I will uh, hopefully... uh, get back to whatever point that was that dinged in my head earlier, but you know, something I've been tracking and something we've been taking a look at here. And you brought it up earlier of, Hey, look, Mertz's numbers on the surface look good. Uh, but going back to the type of quarterback he was when he signed and all that, look, we knew he would need help. We knew the offensive line would have to create, give him some pass blocking, but it more particular in this offense, in this Billy Napier offense, the run game was going to have to be there. So, Another game where if Florida's can't run the ball, they can't win the game. So we'll add to the losses here. Go back to last year. We have, in the wins, Florida's rushing for 278 yards a game. And the losses are only rushing for 133. Passing yards per game last year in wins, 180. Passing yards per game in the losses, 260 last year. And look at that, pass attempts. 33.6 in losses last year, 21.8 in wins. The more Florida passes, the more they lose. And that's continuing here in 2023. In the wins so far this year, rushing yards per game, 207. Rushing yards per game in the losses this year, 41. 1.6 yards a carry. But look at that. Also, 288 yards passing and 37 pass attempts in the losses. In the wins, 23.7 pass attempts, going for 227 yards. So, Will, it's uh, apparent the way this offense is built, the way it's constructed, the way Billy Napier calls plays, the way he's successful as an offensive coordinator is for that run game to be there and not have to rely on your quarterback to go win a game. Yeah, I mean that's that's the Napier credo, right? I mean, he's always been about running the running the ball. That's why he's got two offensive line coaches. That's why he serves as the offensive coordinator because he believes in that. And look, I mean, I, I don't want to dump on Graham Mertz. I actually think he's exceeded my expectations this year uh, in terms of, in terms of how he's played, but I think he's limited. And to say he's limited is not an insult. It's a reality of what we've seen so far on the field. If you subtract the cupcakes out of the out of his line this year, we're looking at a QB rating of 150, which isn't bad. But he's only averaging 7.6 yards per attempt and 9.9 yards per completion. So seven both of those numbers are below are below average and significantly so in the yards per completion. So I I have a stat called yards above replacement that factors in the efficiency through the air and the ground. Without the cupcakes, he's at negative 0.93, which is bad. He's at 0.05 total if you add the cupcakes in, which is average. Um, I think that's kind of what we've seen, right? I, I think it's okay to say that, that he's put up a performance that's, that's average. He's done an okay – I mean, he's doing what he's being asked to do. Just that what he's being asked to do doesn't really lead to a whole lot of points on the board. And especially when you get down the red zone, things start to struggle. And so what happens is because they don't go down the field very often and because they're not very successful on passing downs, they're completely dependent on third down conversions, which Mm -hmm. means they're completely predictable on second down or when they think it's going to be a a four-down territory. And believe me, everybody else has advanced scouts where they know where Billy Napier likes to go for it on fourth down, which means everybody's ready for the run on third and eight when they're trying to get it to fourth and four, right? They're really trying to get it to fourth and one, but they get it to fourth and four, and now they got to go for it on fourth and four. And because they don't go downfield that often, they end up with a throw to boarding ham a yard short of the first down. Like Those sorts of things are the things that have just plagued Florida. That's not how you score points. The way you score points is explosives. That's just the way it is. And and this offense is not set up to be explosive, both from a personnel standpoint, but also from a scheme standpoint, at least thus far. Um, though they, they had plenty of explosives last year, and in many ways that was because of what Anthony Richardson brought in the running game, not just the passing game. The there was one play I highlighted. It's actually the one where they had the two blitzes off the side, where I highlighted in my in my article where Anthony Richardson last year, it's a QB draw. Like based on the defensive mm-hmm. alignment and and 
Kentucky was just daring Florida to run a QB draw. Like they had four guys in the box and and Florida has five guys to block them plus a running back. Like there were opportunities for Florida to just take the gift five or six yards and they didn't. They didn't take that five or six yards. There were opportunities there to get yardage on the ground. You were just going to have to do it in some unconventional ways. And, you know, like I said, the end arounds, not necessarily to Trey Wilson in this one, but the end arounds to Pearsall to open up the running game, audibling to a QB, to a QB draw, um, trying to get some extra yards. And I know you don't want Mertz to necessarily get hit, but you're not moving the ball. So you got to yeah. get your quarterback hit. And once you make them bring guys into the box to stop that QB draw, well, now you have the opportunity to hit that end around, right? Because you're you're constricting things inside. And so it, it it's all one thing that builds on another that builds yeah. on another. Billy Napier's offense is not the problem, at least schematically, I don't believe. I think the problem is, is that it's predictable because of the limitations that they have at different positions on the field. Not just quarterback, but that's part of it. Those limitations mean the defense knows what's coming. And it forces Napier into a box from from a play-calling perspective because he can't put his quarterback in a 3rd and 12 or a 3rd and 13 situation and expect to come through on a regular basis, which means 2nd and 2nd and 10 after an incomplete pass, after they take that deep shot, 2nd and 10 is always a run, which means it's third and eight, which means you're trying to figure out how to get that third and eight conversion. And quite honestly, I'm not sure third and eight is any worse than third and 10 anyway. So in some ways, but again, you kind of want to get that running game going. You want to do stuff like that. So I'd like to see some pitch plays. You know, you remember when Mullen was having trouble getting stuff going, there was a game against LSU where he sort of ran, um, he ran a pitch play sort of the opposite side of the, to the weak side of the formation. Um, sort of got his, his playmakers on the outside with the running backs there. They were really able to put that into um, the offense against LSU and see some success there. I think there's some opportunities to do some unique stuff to get some of these guys open with a guy who's a, who's a four-year starter at quarterback. You would expect them to be able to put those those sorts of things in we'll see if they're able to do it yeah that was my thing like with with, with Mertz like he's played well enough to me if you had your if, if we if Florida had the run game they had last year don't get me wrong Anthony Richardson was a big part of that but it's a, uh, if if the run game was where we thought it could be at times this year I mean if it was what it was in the first half of the Tennessee game uh, and you had some explosive runs and you know it's it, that was just the thing I, you could not bring him in and then ask him to be the game winner, the key cog of the of the offense. I think with with Napier's offense, we knew it had to be carried by the run game, the offensive line, and the running backs. Um, and the more you have to ask him to do, I think that just hurts his chances for. I mean, look, it, it happened last year too. The more Anthony Richardson had to pass the ball, the less likely Florida was to win. So it's not just a Mertz issue, um, and it looks like not really an issue of him at all. It's just coming in. I didn't expect him to have to throw the ball thirty times, and that translate to a Florida win. Well, the, the the difference is, and this is why I like the fact that stats in college football are included in rushing totals, and and why I use that for my metric in order to look at quarterback performance is because I think oftentimes sacks are on the quarterback, whether whether they just getting the ball out of bounds is a win. Just getting the ball at the feet of your running back who's four yards away because he's your outlet instead of taking a sack is a win. Now, look, every quarterback's going to get sacked. Patrick Mahomes gets sacked, right? There are times where just everything caves in on you and protecting the ball is the most important part. But sacks are a huge part of that. If you think about Anthony Richardson last year, that dude never got sacked. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. so you didn't have to be afraid to call a pass on second and 10 because one, it might end up being an 80 yard run. But the other aspect of it was even in a worst case scenario, he was going to get outside and he was going to chuck a ball into the, into the sideline. And I actually think in many ways, this is why the completion percentage for Mertz is misleading. There are times where you need to throw incomplete passes because an incomplete pass is better than turtling and having a defensive lineman fall on you. It, it suggests that you're getting out to the edge, that you're executing the play, and then guys aren't open, and you dump it. And sometimes the defense wins. But if the defense wins and it's second and 10, instead of the defense winning and it's second and 18, that is a major difference. And so especially considering that Florida doesn't want to go downfield, second and 18 is just a killer. Like They had a, they had a drive. It was like nine plays for 29 yards and ate up five minutes of the clock, and they come away with nothing because they had a sack. Like Those sorts of things are the things that are really the difference between last year and this year is, is those sacks are the things that kill Florida. And I think 
it would actually behoove Mertz to throw the ball into the sidelines a few times because two things, it would mean that they're having enough time to sort of have the routes um, develop. But the other thing is, is that, um, you know, that means that you're taking some shots and sometimes you're not going to win and it's okay to not win, but then the ball has to get out and not, and you can't take a sack and put your team in a, in a, in a poor situation. All right, so part of this, Will, is, and he was asked about it, Billy Napier, about the play caller, be, being the play caller. Uh, oftentimes, this is what the question was. The question is, the outsider also being contemplated inside or behind the scenes. Is there any conversation about giving up play calling for yourself, spreading that to somebody else, and maybe you can focus more attention elsewhere? Billy Napier responds, I spoke about this briefly in preseason. Everything that we do is always being evaluated. I think one of the things that's challenging as a leader when you have a core responsibility, if there's things that in that area that can be better, you've got to be able to tell yourself the truth. And I would tell you, I'm a lot more critical of myself than anybody on the outside. And I said it. I've said it publicly. There's no sugarcoating this. We have no excuse. We can coach better. We can play better. I'm hopeful we will do that. Then he said, then he was asked, so you're still the play caller? And he says, yes, sir. So no change going to come with that. I think we expected that. I mean, if anybody expected Billy Napier to come out in the press conference today and said, I'm giving up play calling duties, uh, probably way, 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 way wishful thinking there. Uh, But uh, we've kind of just discussed it the last few minutes there, Will, but I did want to end that kind of conversation about the play caller. Now, look, if you ask me this year, if you ask me next year, if Billy Napier's a play caller, uh, no, I don't think he is. Uh, I think there will be some CEO manager role for him to get better in, in, in that, take away the play calling duties, whether that's a hire from within, whether that's an outside hire, that remains to be seen or heard. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think he's going to wait idly by after this season to make some staffing moves. OC being one of those, uh, I do think there's a realization here that this is not Louisiana. This is more big-time ball. The responsibilities, everything that's on your plate at the University of Florida takes a lot of time, takes a lot of responsibility. Uh, And then I think we've seen all the issues on game days from special teams and numbers on the field and number of players on the field. You know, Those are things that a head coach who doesn't have to worry about play calling can hopefully identify – there's not continued issues. So I do think eventually that will be there. Would it be this year I, or in the season? I don't think so. No, nah, I mean, look, I, I think you don't want to throw out everything you've done mm-hmm. to this point. It's only going to make things worse, right? If you panic now and you go, oh, well, we're going to have somebody else call plays. It's like, well, that completely goes against everything you've been preparing for for the last six or seven weeks. And while we're disappointed in the results against Kentucky and certainly against Utah, the reality is the team's still three and two, going to be favored against Vanderbilt. So hopefully four and two heading into a game against South Carolina that should be winnable as well. South Carolina is not necessarily great shakes this year either. And so things change pretty quickly in the SEC. Obviously, we would have things would be very different if Florida had been competitive against Kentucky, or had been or had won that game. Obviously, and so um, things change quickly, and things are going to change awfully quickly if if they show if they see some success as well. Now, look, people have been calling for an offensive coordinator now for a year, year and a half, which which is why which is why you start getting that grumbling at this point, but. Look, Napier decided to do it. I do think it's a poor process to panic now and change. At the same time, I mean, some conversations about making sure we have the right number of people on the field is something that's probably not too much to ask, even for the CEO of the company. You know, the, the CEO shouldn't have to deal with that, but the fact that it's happening means the CEO has to deal with it, right? Like that's that's sort of the the thing is you want to be able to delegate that as the CEO, but if it's not being taken care of, then you have to go take responsibility and you have to take ownership and you. You have to make sure that people who who have those responsibilities understand that they have those responsibilities and you get the right number of people in the field. The funny thing is, is that given the the way this game went, the fact that we're focusing on the offense is amusing to me because they gave up 223 yards rushing and 13.1 yards per rush in the first half <laughs> against Kentucky. And if you want to that, talk about why they lost what, the game, yeah, that's where like, I was going to go next. <laughs> like they had no hope of coming back once they gave up the 75 yard run to Ray Davis. 
But the fact that they gave up the 75-yard run to Ray Davis is the reason that they – like that game could have been 0-0 and it would have been a rock fight and we would have been going back and forth and we would we could still have the same criticisms with the offense. But uh, it wasn't a rock fight. Kentucky blew Florida off the ball. And honestly, um, we can talk about Mertz. We can talk about Napier, offensive coordinator, all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's not going to change. That's okay. There's some stuff that could probably change on the defensive side of the ball. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, let's wrap that part of it up right here. Kind of going to your point, Will, question. You said after the game that you were going to take a look at just overall operationally. But when you look in those areas, what did you see? Ultimately, have you determined that these self-inflicted wounds are still easily fixed because of the operation that you believe in? Napier responds, I think, listen, the level of detail that we put into evaluating a football game every week, that process doesn't change. I know we all like to think think it does, according to the result or the outcome that we get, but that is not necessarily true. I think there's got to be some consistency and some continuity in how you do that. You've got to keep it objective to some degree. So I think those things I talked about earlier, the things that we're evaluating, that we did evaluate, your team continues to evolve, right? I think every individual player, your position group, you have your unit, all six parts of the kicking game, every part of that continues to evolve. You can look Really well one week, play below average the next week. It's not just individual guys. Every one of those categories I just talked about, they all contribute to the team. You've got to remain objective in that part. Keep it technical with the players because I do think this group that we have is working hard for us, and I think they'll continue to get better. So, look, talks about consistency. I'm sure, look, when he's hired, the, the OC talk was there as soon as he got hired, and there's been a lot of talk of what current Big time college football coach calls their plays and have success, and that's a fair you know that's a fair observation. There's not many out there that have success and call the plays, um, but I do think it's certainly you come in and you are afforded the opportunity to do it your way, and then when, whenever he decides that way is not working, hopefully it's not too late. That's really the most simplistic way we we can put it. Our if changes need to be made, and look, he's done a pretty good job at being able to adjust so far, whether it's some of the aspects off the field, maybe some of the on the field need to be done uh, a little faster. Now. But he's been, done a pretty good job of pivoting so far uh, here at Florida. So maybe I, I think part of that goes maybe a little more proactive in some of the changes instead of reactive is maybe the the, the way to look at it. Um, but as far as OC goes, then we'll be waiting in the off season uh, for that. So, We'll going back. We'll end at this. We'll go. We will go to the defense for a second. And one of the reasons you picked Kentucky, Will, was their ability to create explosives. The explosives that hurt Florida this season so far have been through the air. Never in my wildest dreams that I think Florida <laughs> would show up in Lexington. Because I mean, how many times do you hear it? And it's the old adage, just an old phrase: defense travels. Well, this defense did not travel. This defense did not travel to Lexington and do anything that we saw in the first few games of the season and just got run rough shot by Kentucky and Kentucky put some wrinkles in uh, Seth does a really good job about it. They probably did more gap schemed and zone scheme that they had shown earlier in the season. Uh, and I, I was listening to Stoop Saturday morning on sec nation and he, he was pretty forthcoming about wrinkles that they had put in. Look, that's no surprise. We kind of talked about it. We didn't know what this Kentucky team was, their early season schedule probably lended itself to being able to keep some things under wraps. Florida had played Utah. Florida had played Tennessee. They probably knew how Florida wanted to attack some things. Kentucky did have that advantage. I thought the advantage Florida would have was this deep front that I've been talking about all offseason and so far this season. I thought that would be the difference. I did think they would give Kentucky's offensive line trouble. It was not. Kentucky schemed well. They played well. They manhandled Florida the explosives that you talked about, I didn't expect it to come in the run game. I expected it to come in the passing game if they were going to get them. I was so, so disappointed by what we saw in defense there Saturday. I'm not ready to show. It was one game as far as that goes for me. I'm not ready to bury the defense at all. I still like a lot of what I see and what they've done so far this year. But that was so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. 
Right. I think that the jury's still out. And, and honestly, Florida sits now 65th in yards per play, which is where you'd expect an improvement kind mm-hmm. of historically from where they were last year, which is like well over a hundredth. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Austin Armstrong, I think, I think we can see it when you look at the film, we can see that the defense has improved, but obviously this was a giant step back. And like you said, the reason I picked them is, and this is after this week, Utah's 125th with 13 plays at 20 plus yards. And two of them are against Florida. So so Utah hit big plays. Austin Armstrong's defenses are notorious for giving up big plays, at least when he was at Southern Miss. And Tennessee's 69th. Kentucky's 10th with 33 plays at 20-plus yards. They didn't have to go to the passing game, right? I don't even recall them taking a deep shot. They didn't need to. Every time they handed the running back, it was 13 yards. So, you know, there was no need to go to plan B because plan A was so effective. And and the thing that I think, at least it was something I pointed out in my my post-game article, was that they targeted the corners, Mm -hmm. that they specifically sent their wide receivers at Florida safeties. Uh, And so a well-executed run play – is that the running back has to beat one guy. And because what will happen is if you block everything perfectly, because you've got a quarterback, right, and you don't typically account for the quarterback, and for Devin Leary, you don't have to account for him, what that means is there's one extra guy, usually a safety, who's sitting there in that hole. And what they did was they sent out wide receivers to block that safety and said, go ahead, Florida's corners, get your head in there and and make the tackle. And there were multiple times where Florida's corners um, didn't make the tackle. And whether that's because Kentucky saw on film that those guys are poor tacklers, whether it's that they've just sort of decided that's a good way to attack with the fact that they're trying to hit straight ahead. Like you mentioned, they they switched in terms of the scheme that they were running a little bit differently than what they've done before. But um, look, Ray Davis, it's not like he wasn't running well before this. I think he was averaging like seven and a half yards of carry coming in. So it's not like there's a secret. This is what they want to do. Stoops has always been a guy who wants to run the ball. It's not rocket science to go after the, to go after the safeties, but what it does do is it makes your corners. If they're soft at all, when it comes to run support, you're going to feel it. And there were a couple of, there were a couple of plays early on, Jalen Kimber got isolated on the outside and it wasn't necessarily that he didn't make the tackle. It was that he allowed Davis to get to the outside rather than forcing him back inside where he had the help. And then on the, on the big touchdown run, Jason Marshall took a circuitous route to to that one-on-one matchup, and by the time he got to where he needed to be, Davis was already past him, and at that point, um, I think it was Miguel Mitchell was being blocked by somebody and did a pretty good job of blocking him. He wasn't able to get the, get the tackle, and, and he's off to the races, doesn't even get touched. So, you know, look, I, I think all of that, though, still starts up front, right? It starts with Cam Jackson. It starts with Caleb Banks. It starts with Human Melan. It starts with Tyreek Sapp. Those guys, it starts with Desmond Watson. Those guys have to be able to control the line of scrimmage and prevent the pulling guard from getting on the linebackers. And that just didn't happen, right? Like everybody was getting mauled. Every time a pulling guard came around or a pulling tackle came around, it wasn't just that the guy came and got in the way. He punished the Gators yeah. defender every time he came around. Now, part of that is Kentucky's culture. And so, you know, look, I think I think Stoops has done a very nice job of bringing in guys who fit that culture. Part of it is is that, you know, Florida has played teams that have been a little bit more finesse or have been missing a quarterback who can really make them pay for things, and so they've been able to commit more guys to the run. The one thing I was a little bit surprised on is that they did not really at any point in the game bring a safety up into the box. Because yeah. one way to get away from that is you bring a safety up into the box and the wide receiver can't get to him, right? But you had these bunched formations where they were bringing in the wide receivers and they had a free run at the safeties, bring a guy up into the box, and all of a sudden you don't have that. And now you've got the guy sitting in the gap who's able to make the tackle. And they still have to make the tackle, but you know there were a lot of times where Florida had light boxes, was playing nickel defenses. And look, you still play nickel against 11. That's not necessarily 11 personnel. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily the problem. The problem is, is that you only had six guys in the box and your six guys weren't getting the job done, which means the safety has to make a tackle seven, eight, nine yards downfield. If he misses it, it's a 25-yard run. That happened a lot. Yeah, I don't like to use wake-up call because I think the Utah game should have been a wake-up call overall for the team, but that maybe on at least that side of the ball, a little bit of a wake-up call uh, there, there, there for the defense and uh, maybe a little bit of I mean, look, it was Shamar James who said that they weren't ready <laughs> for, for a noon game. So you know, that lets you know about the mindset on that side of the ball uh, just a little bit there in Kentucky. But uh, look, it was it was team wide, not a great performance. Hopefully that's one of the hopefully that's the worst performance we, we, we see all year there. And look, I don't think the gap between Kentucky and South Carolina, Tennessee and Florida, Missouri are, is all that big, which was another reason why this was such a disappointing performance there on Saturday uh, but when it came to toe meets leather, <laughs> Florida was not ready on on Saturday. So 
hopefully some kind of wake-up call. I hate to say, you know, a wake-up call when the Utah game should have been one as well. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, something we don't want to see again there, Will. Yeah, well, so one watch out for this week. So Kentucky's 10th with 33 plays at 20-plus yards. Vanderbilt's 8th with 36. So Vanderbilt has an explosive offense too. So I think this is actually an opportunity for Austin Armstrong to and the defense to redeem itself. They do it in a little bit different way, much more through the air than than on the ground. But I was shocked when I saw that that Vanderbilt's been running up and down the <laughs> up and down the field on different people. I'm gonna have to break down like which games that was in. Was it cupcakes? Those sorts of things. But yeah, see, I don't think they've had a bye week yet, so they have one yeah. extra game. They do have an they do have an extra game, but still. Yeah. 36 explosive plays. Florida yeah. would have to have 18 this week to yeah. come to, to match it. So yep. maybe Florida will get 18 against Vandy and we'll, uh, <laughs> and we'll be feel better. They might. Vanderbilt's 114th in explosive plays on defense given up, which is one of the reasons why they're what two and three. Um, but, but that's something to look for, right? Is that, is that Armstrong has, has been notorious for giving up big plays, even in the game against Tennessee and the game against Utah. That was how those teams scored the points. Same thing for, um, for the defense against Kentucky, right? It was the big hits that really killed them. I actually, you know, look, whenever you're running the ball, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to feel different than like passing plays that are going downfield um, just because explosives, like some people even count running explosives as 10 yards, but, and, and Kentucky could certainly do what they wanted, especially in the first half on the ground. At the same time, I think there was a time there where Florida's defense was able to stabilize a little bit, and then the offense just couldn't take advantage. I'll be really interested to see Vanderbilt again has has been relatively explosive, even though a not not all that productive offense. And so, is Florida's defense going to be the one that gives up a bunch of big plays that turn into scores, or is it going to be the one that can lock it down when the personnel aren't quite as talented? We'll see this week, right? I, I think because of Vanderbilt's defense, I think Florida is rightly favored. The question is going to be: Is this defense has it really taken that step forward? And is Kentucky just a really good team? So we're going to see Kentucky against Georgia. I do mm-hmm. wonder if Kentucky went out and just manhandled Georgia next week, would we feel differently about this we'll one? Feel differently, yeah, Ma- uh, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to I put mean, a yeah. positive spin on no, it. Yeah, I mean, negative whole episode. Too, if they do it, I, yeah, I wouldn't predict it. And I, if Kentucky fans want to get mad at that, go ahead. I I can't get a read on Kentucky either, apparently. But uh, if they go if they go out there and do it to Georgia, sure, would I feel a little better? Maybe, uh, probably not, because this is like I said. One reason we're so disappointed with it because it was just a continued yeah. reason for you know Florida to to, to go look bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they do it again versus Georgia. I mean, I, I'll give Kentucky a whole. I'll give them a lot of flowers there because uh, they're a lot better. Than I, um, look, I mean, they're already better than I thought they were because I picked Florida to win. But uh, if they go out there and do anything similar to Georgia, um, that would be and be a feather in their cap for sure. But, uh, well, I, I do struggle. I talked about it on the Discord a little bit. You know, what does this game this week mean for Florida? Um, I don't know. It may be given next week away. I don't know if there's anything Florida can do this week against Vanderbilt at home in the swamp for me to feel confident they go on the road and beat South Carolina next week. No, but I think there are things they can do that can help them beat South Carolina next week, right? So the the special team stuff that we've talked about after every game, cleaning that up, the operational stuff, getting the offensive line back and cohesive, considering that that was Egwakin's first game. I mean, he was there for Tennessee, obviously, yeah. but you know this is really the first time Florida's had a reasonably healthy version of that starting five, making sure that you've got so. Like I said, I don't think any of us are going to feel any better. You know, you drill Vandy 49 nothing. You're like, yeah, you're supposed to do that. Whoop-de-doo, right? At the same time, you drill Vandy 49 nothing, and everything is clean. You at least feel a little bit better. And then you go, okay, that, that needs to play carry. good at home again. Sure. But it doesn't tell me they can go on the road and do it. Well, but what it tells you is that they are capable. And so then the question is, can they carry it over? And if they can't carry it over, like I'm – Look, I, I'm with Tennessee you. Tennessee showed me they were capable, or I, so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, the, the, so hey, part uh, part of it too. Look, it's a roller coaster. Uh, am, am I trying to be a little funny here? Yeah. At, at the same time, part of it's the roller coaster. We said it coming into the season. There's a lot of inexperience on this team. I wouldn't be surprised if the you know there's peaks and valleys, and so far, so far there are. And look, man, if, we, if we'd have been a top 10 team coming into this season, I'd be apoplectic, right? But Florida wasn't even in the top 25. And so um, 
you know, the, the, the rubber is going to meet the road at the end of the year. If we look up and it's seven and five and at the end of the year against Florida state, none of these mistakes are being made. And even if that, even if that ends up being a loss, if it's a hard fought loss against Florida state in the swamp and they've improved on the defense at seven and five, I think we look at it and go, okay, like now I can see it. So in many ways, this is, you know, you see that old self-help thing where they show the, the line where like success isn't linear and it has the, the, the line now in many ways, I'm like, all right, that's what losers tell themselves. But in some ways, that is true, right? That success is never linear, that that all of a sudden everything clicks, that, you know, people realize, oh, I can't just go out there and mail it in when we go on the road, those sorts of things. And, you know, at, at some point, some people are going to get replaced. And all of those things sort of congeal together to where Florida is prepared to go do that later in the year. We'll see, right? At the same time, if they go five and seven, and this is everything that we see in the first game of the year ends up showing up every time we're on the road, all right, I can understand why people would start to get really, really ornery about things. And and that's just going to be the question, right, is, is until we have the full body of work, we're not really going to be able to do anything other than analyze game to game. And yeah, I think you're right to say I have no confidence in what these guys are going to do on the road because right now our two data points are pretty rough. Put hey. up a good one though, and all of a sudden we, you know, we're still going to say we doubt them. It'll just be we doubt them a little bit less. So you know, we're, <laughs> we're right there with everybody else. Yeah, maybe it continues. I, as I've already said, I cannot get a read on this team, so I probably won't pick them to go win on the road at South Carolina, and they'll probably go win by twenty. I don't know, but. Well, I mean, I'm. He, you gave me credit at the start of the episode. I'm now one and three against the spread this year, so uh, so I'm I'm not uh, not exactly uh, burning it up in Vegas on on my picks. So you know, look, I think I think the reality is is that we we it takes a while to get a read on what a team is, and we're getting a read on what this team is, and we're getting a read on where the limitations are. And so now that we know where those limitations are within the framework of those limitations, what do we want to see improve? And that's sort of the stuff I talked about that we can learn in the Vanderbilt game is what do we want to see improve um, in in that case? And in some ways, that's just taking the shots, right? Like let's 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 take some of those deep shots, loosen things up. Let's run some of those end rounds. Let's open up the running game. All, all the different things that we feel like we'd like to see on the road. Let's see it at home, yeah. and then let's go out and replicate it the next day and and win the game against Vanderbilt. And then Napier is going to have to do the same thing, right? Which is he talked about after the Tennessee game carrying this stuff forward. Well, they came out flat against Charlotte. They came out flat against Kentucky, admittedly. And now they're going to come come out probably on fire against Vanderbilt. That doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Come out excited in that game against South Carolina. Five and two heading into the Georgia game. Again, I think all of us would have taken that before the season started, right? We would have we would have hoped it would have been a little bit more linear. But it's not. So there's still an opportunity to really change the narrative. It's just a question of how do they do this. And so um, we'll see. Lose to Vanderbilt. Though. And that is one thing, right, is there's nothing they can do to Vanderbilt to make you feel more confident about South Carolina. There are some things they can do against Vanderbilt that would make me less confident. Yes. <laughs> that is South true. Carolina. That, that is so true. maybe it's avoid the catastrophe is the, uh, is, the, is the order of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point there. So, all right. Here we go. Hopefully we get together next Monday after uh, after a win and um, we can break that down a little bit, feel a little bit better about ourselves uh, with Vanderbilt coming to the swamp this week for homecoming, for homecoming there. So, uh, Will, anything else, man? Yeah, I got something going up on Read and Reaction from a booster. Somebody sent me a perspective. Oh, yeah, I'm that's right. That, I'm going to put that up there. Um, you know, Not necessarily the, the opinions expressed in the article are not those of Read and Reaction, but uh, I thought it was interesting that somebody reached out to me after the game against Kentucky and has sort of an interesting take. Um, and then certainly uh, the Vanderbilt preview will be up there this week. And, uh, you know, hey, go read it and support it. We, we like doing this. And, you know, I wrote in the article this week, and, and I know I come off as negative and mainly critical, hopefully, but um, – but we only get, I say this all the time, we only get 13 of these. So yep. you got to enjoy every single one of them. And, you know, the fact that we're all passionate about it is a good thing. Um, and so, hey, keep that passion and, and uh, you know, enjoy what should be a win this weekend. And then, you know, we'll come back and talk about how reticent we are about South Carolina next week. But, <laughs> you know, you got to get this W first. You can only play who's in front of you and, and uh, time to get this one done. For sure. For sure. All right. Will Miles, readingreaction.com is where you can find all his work at Will Miles SEC as well on social media. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, social media, at GatorDave underscore SEC, at Gators Breakdown. 
Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.